episode four of the Technology Architecture Solutions Engineering Podcast. Uh, today I have uh, Mr. Askins here with me. How are you today? Doing well. How are you today? I am all right. It's it's Thanksgiving week, so it's a short week. It's got to be good, right? Yeah, well, yeah. So for some people, Thanksgiving week is longer. We'll talk. We'll touch on that later. <laughs> I know we have a, a couple of um, interesting topics today. We're going to try to keep it short and sweet with the holiday. Um, so we're going to start with some GitHub actions for Azure that's now generally available. I know this is something you wanted to talk about, uh, Mr. Askins. So you want to give an overview of what that is, and then we'll have a discussion on it? Yeah, absolutely. So GitHub actions are mechanisms to create some automation uh, in the way you, you know, compile and deliver your your software your code uh, within the github world so uh, what does that mean so i think we should really try to do a really deep dive on one of these maybe drop a, a youtube uh, video on this one uh, but at a higher level it's another tool to bring um, you know ci cd workflows to github to be able to work within multiple frameworks. Uh, we got what? .NET, obviously, um, no Java, PHP, Ruby, Python. I mean, you name it, you can you can now work within some starter templates that they have to create a you know continuous integration, continuous uh, deployment pipeline. So what does that mean? That means a lot of things to uh, a lot of different people. Uh, one, your developers now can help control some of your automation. Uh, number two, you can now work within containers and deploy container-related items from your environment that you're working on, like using Visual Studio Code, using using uh, using these new GitHub actions. It, it's kind of cool. Uh, so the question I have, and again, we won't go too deep on it, but the question I have that I want to throw out there is, this is yet another automation tool. What does that mean? Because there's so many automation tools out there already. There's a bunch of third-party tools. There's a bunch of native tools to Azure. So what does that mean? And so I'm going to toss it to you. And you, you kind of got a, a really vague general overview. It's you know it's a mechanism to help deploy and control and, and get things from the GitHub ecosystem within VS Code or, or or what have you. How do you think that aligns with some of the other tools from an initial first blush? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so at least from from my perspective, I think that there, I think it kind of relates to what we talked about last week when you know we we're talking about is there is there too many uh, storage locations? Is there too many um, options in that space as well? And then I, I think my answer is the same as it was last week: is is no. I think they're attacking it from from different angles. It looks like this is more of a a developer-focused automation tool um, where things like Azure Pipelines and uh, the other in, uh, the other features of Azure DevOps and, and um, uh, Azure uh, automation and things like that is really focused on more of the DevOps-type person or the infrastructure-type person. So I think this is adding another like sort of development layer into that, which is going to be helpful for uh, the developer workforce. Um, I think at some point it would make sense to have a solution um, uh, from Microsoft that kind of puts all of that under one single pane of glass. So it shows your entire automation strategy across the board. Um, maybe they're working on that. Maybe something already exists that's trying to do that. If not, then I hope they're going to give me some some 
funds for thinking of it right now on this podcast, but um, I <laughs> think likely. that's probably, yeah, I know. But I think that's something that maybe would be nice down the road, but I don't think it steps on the on the toes of, of Azure automation or um, Azure DevOps necessarily. At least from my initial look, it looks like it's more developer-focused to me. Yeah, so it agreed. The one thing that it does do is integrate with pipelines, as you mentioned. So it is leveraging some some of the existing tooling, which makes me feel happy. Which doesn't make me feel so happy is it's uh, another thing to secure down, uh, another thing to have as a consideration. There's there's so many things we have to consider as it is when we're putting you know infrastructure framework in and plumbing and and thinking of architectures you know what is the best way you know having the tools to enable to have people do their thing is great having multiple tools is even better because you can have people work in the way they're more comfortable which makes them more productive but that's also more things to harden and also control right so if you're going to drop an azure sql or mysql database you know through these actions we might not want that for an organization that you know does not permit that. I mean, we have the, the controls need to be in place in order to you know sustain as either a, a medium, larger enterprise class solution. It's great for just that quick dev house that wants to pound things out, or against you know development test stuff. But I think there's more to come. So, and again, you know, we should maybe do a little bit of a deep dive with some some testing of this and uh, report back what our findings are. Definitely. I couldn't agree more with that. Things like data loss prevention and making sure that these people that should have access to this do and what they can do within it, uh, roles and, and features and uh, capabilities that are being turned on for this, uh, just like any any other feature that we talked about, um, is definitely critical to make sure that you know there's no data leakage or uh, vulnerabilities with the new automation software. Yeah, or just introducing spend into an organization that doesn't doesn't necessarily have or have it to spend, or the authorization is not there for for that particular tenant or subscription. So you know, first and foremost, from an operations perspective, is we need to make sure that we have our Azure tenant and our roles and, and role assignments dialed in tight so that we are making sure those who are enabled to do things have the right fits. So it's definitely uh, it's definitely worth a, a thought. Absolutely. Um, that kind of is uh, interesting to roll into our next topic um, when we're talking about um, architectures and all of the different features coming out and security and cost management. Um, just kind of success in the cloud in general. And I know you sent over uh, before the podcast an article um, from the director of product marketing at Azure talking about success in the cloud, um, cloud adoption frameworks, all of that uh, type of stuff. Do you want to go ahead and give an overview of that before we jump in? Yeah, for sure. So the article I sent over was a November 6th uh, Azure blog post uh, from Evelyn Padrino. And to your point, she's the... Uh, Director of Product Marketing. So th this stuck out to me, right? So it stuck out to me in a couple of vectors. So we aggregate inside of Teams, like on one of my channels, I pull the RSS feeds and aggregate certain certain blogs and things of that nature, this being one of them. And that kind of popped out, which led me to going to the site, which led me to reading it, because this is of high interest to us for what our day jobs are, right? We do this all the time with organizations, is helping helping them be successful in either 
their existing deployment or a new to cloud deployment, or they just don't know what they want to do uh, perspective. So this stuck out really, it was really interesting. So we've in the past leveraged uh, the Azure Scaffold, the EA framework, and we've adopted it and made it into an Azure vision, which is a really super deep dive. Uh, you have a reference architecture at the end of it from an engagement perspective for what we do. Uh, with that for our day jobs. This sticks out as, as it's not oversimplified, but it's very precise, it's very clean, and it talks to everyone. And, you know, it goes through m many steps on, on what this cloud adoption framework is to do to help you get there. And it has, you know, prescribed guidance around it. Uh, the challenge that I see uh, with organizations that are looking to do this, especially an organization that is at scale, is that, you um, there's there's opportunity for someone to just kind of grab some of these resources and go. I still challenge that you still need some sort of guidance along the way and a little bit of help in the strategic view of each step, not just to define the strategy, number two, the plan, number three, ready, number number four, adopt, migrate, and, and rinse and repeat. And then we continuously have our, you know, govern, manage, life cycle. So we got our full circle going here on this this adoption framework. And it's great. And all good plans are wonderful. And I'd love that they put this out. Uh, I just think that there's might be need, still need a, an, an overlay of someone to help guide along the path. And I'm going to toss to you the reasoning why I say this. And I'll, I'll listen to your comments, your initial comments. So here's the reasoning behind that. There's so much in Azure and there's so much that changes. Any one specific person, unless you are a hired architect for an organization, you're not going to have dip downs in each one of those areas of storage and data and AI and ML and uh, IaaS and PaaS and networking. You're going to be a little stronger in one area or super strong in one area and maybe some cursory on the other ones, unless you're like a hardcore architect. So I think that as a general rule, if you put the blinders on of, this is our use case, we wanna move machines there, or this is our use case, we wanna move storage there, this is great for people just to grab these resources and go. But when we wanna look at broader as an organization, how we're gonna impact it. My challenge to this is to, you still need somebody to help um, guide you down that path. So I toss to you for that statement to let me know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. I think that uh, in this article, um, which we can definitely link in the in the show notes, um, but there's a there's a um, there's a graphic that I'm looking at here right now where it talks to the things that you just pointed out: define strategy, plan, ready, adopt, and then obviously you have govern and manage kind of through those last three steps. Um, I don't necessarily think it's a it's a departure from the scaffold or it's a departure from the vision uh, engagement. I think that the scaffold or the vision definitely plays a role in, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, defined strategy and the plan steps. Um, that could be a part of this, you know, cloud adoption framework that they're talking about here. And I think success in the cloud you're exactly right. Having somebody that's been down this path and knows the gotchas is critically important. Um, I think I also wanted to point out that um, it kind of it kind of makes sense to kind of analyze this um, before you go into your your cloud adoption strategy or as you're going with your first steps. I think what this article does do is is put some importance 
like you said, it doesn't oversimplify, but it, it does simplify in a way from the 10 steps that the scaffold has to these, these four kind of overarching steps. Um, and I think that what it does is kind of puts that into people's, the back of their minds thinking, hey, maybe there is more pieces that I need to think about here. Maybe there is kind of something uh, overarching that I should consider. Uh, so things like naming conventions and, and uh, um, how you're going to organize the hierarchy and things like that is not necessarily easily changed down the road. So anything to get people down that path farther and thinking about that um, is good in my book. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. And it's almost like we would want them to do do the first step of each one of these steps, uh, you know, part, part A or one or however we want to call it out for each of these five, six steps prior to like an engagement that's a deep, let's fundamentally change how you operate or let's fundamentally shore up your, your cloud deployment because it was, it's the wild west. Or, so it's almost like and we do this in our day jobs. We'll send out pre-engagement questionnaires all the time, right? And there's reasoning for that. It's not just for us to get information back. It's about having you as a organization or somebody who's in charge of the technical bits of an organization. It's having you think critically about what you have, where it's at, what it's doing, what does it mean to the organization, how important. So having that foresight the forethought in, in the site being mindful and having the vision of that going into something that's going to be a fundamental change to the way you operate i think makes it more useful the timing so i would see that as you know augmenting things i'd rather be challenged with tough questions than have a day where we're just standing at the podium saying this is what you need to do based upon what you know and click next slide I'd rather be challenged and have meaningful dialogue and debate on what's the best way for that organization to to operate because that's what that's where the real decisions start to come from not just sitting there listening to someone spout at you and, and that's the challenge with a lot of these frameworks is that people take them to heart which you should take the overall intent of it to heart but if it, if they read a sentence in there it says you need to do this that this might not work for your environment. This plus something else may be what you need for your environment. But having that understanding going in is huge. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I, I definitely like this article and I want to dive deeper into it. And like I said, we'll link it in the show notes if, if the listeners want to take a look too. I think it's very helpful. Um, it, it aligns with what we do almost perfectly, I think, which is good. Uh, defining the strategy is, is exactly like you said, kind of like that pre-engagement questionnaire where really the 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 customer needs to be in the driver's seat of defining their business processes, processes and justifications for why they're doing this cloud adoption in the first place. We have plan for the Azure vision. Um, we have getting ready, getting all those pieces in order and, and uh, the timelines, et cetera, and then actually migrating and doing the work and keeping mindful of your governance and, and management along the way and security, et cetera. Um, I definitely think this is a great article to get people interested in that. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by Taste Labs Architect on Demand. Architect on Demand is a program specifically for organizations that are having challenges finding an architect or don't see the need to have an architect full time. Architect on Demand, you get that experience and expertise at your fingertips when you need them, as you need them. Visit tastelabs.net. Follow the links to Architect on Demand. Awesome. So being Thanksgiving week, um, obviously there's going to be a lot of people out of the office towards the end of the week. Um, there's going to be a lot of people in the IT world, um, out of the office at the end of this week as well. So, 
Um, how much do you think actually gets done from a business perspective between November through the new year with you have Thanksgiving this week, you have Christmas just around the corner. It feels like it was just Halloween and now it's two days away from, from Thanksgiving at the time of recording. So what, what do you think about that? Yeah. So this is the time of the year where like you work in spurts for, for some people or most people kind of work, they work hard. I'm not saying people don't work hard, but you work in spurts because you have these days off and it seems like after after New Year's, the New Year's holiday, New Year's Day, there's like this long stretch before there's any kind of time off. So people really like to take the advantage of the time. And some companies do too. So there's companies that know it's their slow period. Uh, so like they encourage people to take their holidays off or do do what have you to their, get their holiday PTO time in. I think that certain organizations don't get busy think certain organizations uh, it's seasonal unless you're retail uh, but from an IT perspective or let's put our let's put our geek lenses on how many organizations do you know of that are in blackout right now I know I can't list them how many are in blackout no changes nothing this is end of year it's you know the retail it's burst to the you know new product releases for next year uh, supporting the commercial sales side if you're a, if you're a, a sales organization it's it, everything goes into doing nothing but supporting retail uh, if you're a retail organization blackouts so that means there's either a lot of scrambling to do work or a lot of just getting caught up on some stuff and doing documentation um, so there's also that period for non-retail people that are like everybody starts taking time off so there's not that much going on and there's all these open windows and there's not the the offices are you know relatively low with with uh staff so when you stop and you think of that this is like one of our other topics we're going to talk to the people that are going to be busy are usually it people especially thanksgiving i can't tell you how many thanksgivings that were their crews working to do a massive upgrade or a lift or a change um on friday saturday sunday uh after after thanksgiving um so it, in fact uh, you know the whole black friday starting on thanksgiving evening that whole thing that that's been going on for god knows how long there used to be a time when it was after your Thanksgiving dinner. If you were in IT, sometimes you went into the office so you could start doing upgrades and 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 patches and critical system lifts. And nobody ever talked about it back then, but we're going to talk about it today. Those guys, I, I salute those guys and girls who uh, who go out there and work their butts off uh, when everybody else is either shopping or putting up lights or or, or what have you. Uh, I know I didn't answer your question. I'm just kind of smashing all our final topic points together. But how much work actually gets done? I think it's totally dependent on who you are. Um, I think there's a lot of PTO now. So if you look at the productivity index for the US, you know, we are one of the most productive countries per hour uh, for employees. I bet you if you were to break it down by month and quarter, this would probably be our weakest quarter. I definitely would agree with that. And I think you, you kind of hit the nail on the head from that topic point is it, it really depends on on your industry. Um, you know, if you're in the industry like ours, where you're in uh, consulting and, and helping customers with their adoption, not a lot want to be um, doing a lot of massive changes right now just because there's a lot of PTO right now. And if we're going in and doing a vision or trying to, you know, create an architecture, there's going to be a lot of holes for in people's schedules and it's just going to be going to be a challenge. 
Uh, same with retail, there might be some some blackout periods there where you don't want to do any big change to a system that's going to maybe affect your Black Friday shopping or your Christmas shopping. Uh, but then in that same breath, like you said, it might be a perfect time for internal IT to upgrade the network because there's nobody there or upgrade you know, a, a server that's been hanging on by a thread or, or whatever that may be. Um, it, it may be perfect time to do that as well. So I think it's I challenge you. I'm challenging you. Don't upgrade that server hanging on by a thread. Migrate it to Azure. <laughs> I mean, obviously. That, that is an upgrade, right? True. That's, um, a, mod that's a modernization. I like that word better. That is modernization. Correct. Yep. Uh, so do you have any big Thanksgiving plans? I do not. So there's there's some traditions we, we have around Thanksgiving. Um, those have already been done already for this year. Um, my family, uh, my wife's side of the family has some delicate uh, trees that need special care for the winter because of the climate we live in. So we usually spend before Thanksgiving um, making sure that they're all put to sleep for the winter. Um, we had some cold blasts blow through here in the Northeast, so we've already done all that. So I'm hoping to you know, get caught up on a few things and kind of get a lay of the land for the uh, holiday display 2019. Do you like to go all out on your your holiday displays, don't you? Generally, yes. Uh, we might be a little bit lighter this year, uh, but just from a, a timing perspective. But yeah, it's always a good thing. How about you? What are you gonna do? Uh, for me, it's it's pretty much much of the same. I, I like to to cook, so I always help uh, go over to my mom's house. We have Thanksgiving there and, and help her uh, get everything squared away for the family coming over. Um, so I'll be I'll be helping with that. I'm sure there'll be some baking and stuff going on starting tomorrow. Getting pies and cookies and all kind of stuff ready so it should be a good time it's it's nice to bring everybody together without the the the, uh, the gift giving aspect of it which i love christmas but this one's a little bit different because you focus on people rather than items so it's kind of nice yeah that's definitely nice you know from, from a gift perspective uh, i'm sure we'll cover this maybe during a christmas episode i agree with you I, i'd rather have experiences i'd rather have you know, time, because, you know, as you get older, you find time is your enemy, if you will. So you want to spend as much time as you can, like, truly making memories as opposed to like, oh, yeah, I ripped it open and there's a funny sweater. Or there's a, you know, what have you, because, um, you know, you get older and you realize it's like most of the stuff you want that or that you need, you, you, you can get. And it's not about getting you know, it's also about giving, but what's the best thing you can give? You can give yourself and give your time. That's, I agree. That's well put, sir. Absolutely. Um, that's a, that's a great way to end this podcast. I think on the philosophical note, I like it. So, um, <laughs> anything else you have for today before we sign off and give our, our listeners a uh, happy Thanksgiving? No, no. Um, happy Thanksgiving to everyone, you know, enjoy the time with your families um, I know we're going to you know, do that, so we'll be thinking about everyone everywhere, and happy Thanksgiving. Do you want to call out any of our, our sponsors for this podcast? Yeah, we'll put them in the show notes. Uh, the main sponsor for today is tastelabs.net. Visit there, visit the blog, um, see what's out there. The topics we talked today, there's actually materials out on that website as well, too. So aside from just our opinions and, and what we have here, um, today you can also read in a, in a more formalized way there so thank you awesome 
And from my end, again, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Thanks for listening. Uh, Join us again next week for, for episode five. Looking forward to it. Thanks so much. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Today's show is produced by Mr. Wentworth, directed by Michael Askins. Graphics and artwork provided by Art by Sophia, edited by Mr. Wentworth. Visit the show notes for terms and conditions. Thank you.